2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I am your co host, Christopher Mookie Ghana Harrington, joined by my North by Northeast by Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Mookie. How are you? I'm doing alright, and joined by my North by North by Northeast, by Mr. Will Cooling, all the way from the UK. Will, how are you doing today?
3: I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Chris. and Brandon. Word of warning, Brandon. My stepson, whose name is Brayden, is next door, and we keep correcting people to try and call him Brandon. So if I um, accidentally call you Brayden, we're getting one back on the Brandons. Sure, It
2: won't be the first time, yeah.
3: he's been mr brandon
2: thurston howard for many years yeah yeah i have been for the first six months of this podcast it was thurston howard yeah and and sometimes when i'm on the phone people think i'm saying randy or brian (laughs) or brad what oh
1: okay yeah i think most people are just surprised to find out that mookie's a white guy so (laughs) (laughs) so uh will we invited you on the show here um because I want to talk to you about a lot of different things, but you, you, you're someone who follows the business very closely. You write for Fighting Spirit magazine. You've been a very close um, observer of wrestling business and MMA business and the trends and the changes that are happening in the UK. And one thing that's a challenge for me is that I see things through the lens and the numbers that I see them through. And so sometimes our talking points get a little repetitive because it's just the same idea over and over again. And so I like to bring on other people to to just hear from them about whether their take on the situations are similar or different. And um, one thing that came up this week and what originally kind of brought me into the conversation here with you was uh, this renewal of Premiere with Sky and BT. Have you been following this at all?
3: Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Very closely. Okay. So for uh, people
1: who, who have no idea what I just said there, because that's a, that's three topics that to American ears might just be gibberish. Premier is Premier Soccer League or Premier Football League. Sorry. And uh, Sky and BT are the two big players, uh, kind of the, the the Fox and and Comcat or NBCU of of uh, UK. Would you say that's
3: accurate? Well, it's OK. Here's, so here's the um, Sky is such a huge company. It's it's it all, you almost have to compare it to lots of different American companies. Yeah, so, in like terms ABC of.
1: plus Comcast plus Fox, kind of
3: thing. Yeah. Because basically, it, it, it controls. A, there are exceptions, but basically, for nine tenths of the country that gets pay TV, they control the pay TV infrastructure. So, they, they're our major cable uh, provider. They control the biggest uh, cable entertainment station, which would be Sky One and Sky Atlantic, which would be equivalent of, say, USA Network. They control the prestige drama, uh, which is equivalent of HBO Showtime. They control uh, the, the, the like, pay movies, the pay sports, so again, HBO Showtime, and the ESPN. And that's one company. Um, so it is it, it, a colossus across the whole of um, UK entertainment. Um, Now, what happened was, is the EU, our beloved overlords in Brussels, got very annoyed at this. And they said that this was becoming anti-competitive. And they identified that Premier League uh, football rights was a key source of Sky's uh, hegemony. And they thought, basically, Sky and the Premier League were colluding. So what they did was, is they told the Premier League, you can no longer sell all your all your rights as one package. You have to divide them up. Sky won all the packages. So they then turn to the Premier League and say, you have to sell your packages, and at least two of them can't go to the main broadcaster. So you, so basically, the Premier League does an auction, and now they're auctioning seven packages. Sky can only get five.
1: So it's like it's if all- the NFL were to say... OK, or the NBA were to say we, we will not allow any one station to control all of these rights and therefore Thursday night games have to be sold separate from the company that wins the Monday night games and the Sunday exactly. night games are, are going to be split up in different packages. OK. And,
3: and so what that did was it created this situation where Sky had won. Sky was pay sports um, ITV had an hilarious uh, shambolic, like most things ITV does when it comes to sports, attempt to to beat Sky and it it collapsed in hilarious fashion. Um, so what the White Den basically did was is you you then had these games that had to be bid bought by somebody. The only one who could afford it was a new pay TV. Company. And so basically, every four or five years, somebody else comes up to be the other pay TV company. So, famously, there's Satanta, then an ESPN, and they basically lose their assets because you can't make money off it. Now, BT, it's like different. So, BT are our former nationalized phone company, as in British Telecom.
1: Tele-
3: as in British Telecom. And so they they still are the default um, provider of landlines. So even if you happen to have your TV through Sky or your uh, your your phone through Sky, your phone through Virgin, you're still using the BT uh, network. Um, and what they were starting to get a bit worried about was Sky was using um, Sky TV, Sky Sports, Sky Movies as a way of getting people to get their internet and phone from Sky. And so BT were losing customers, and so it was very much a we will fight rather than fight them over here, we will fight them over there. So they were like, well, if we set up our BT Sports division, we will have our our combat with Sky. Now the key thing with this is, is that didn't it worked well enough to get Sky to finally sell Sky Sports through BT with a few court judgments helping it as well. So back in December there was a deal signed between Sky and BT where you could now get, at the same price as if you were with BT or with Sky, both both uh, sized channels. And that meant BT did not have to be too aggressive in this rights. And that's why both Sky and BT have slightly reduced... Actually, Sky quite a lot per game. They have both been able to reduce how much they're spending on Premier League slightly. So the so, rampant so inflation...
1: That, and that's a big deal because, you know, I, I've heard... This is, I think, one of those stories. The reason I, I really got excited about this story is because every analysis you read is going to say WWE TV rights are just going to go up, 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 because TV rights go up, 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 up. up. And then we started to see other examples of leagues that were trying to get renewals and they were struggling. And I think maybe Formula One or one, one of those leagues – had had a flatter decline and they said okay well that's not great but it's not a popular sport for the market it was being done in but this premiere one that's a very popular package and people are then saying is it true then that you know maybe these TV people aren't going to just necessarily bid through the roof or is this a Premier specific example.
3: So the difference between British and uh, American um, pay TV models is it's it's much more transparent, you know. Um, we're we're obviously a much smaller country than America, so there's there's less uh, slack in terms of advertising spending. It, um, the biggest revenue for Sky and BT is what they get through their subscribers, and it's not the weird bundling that you have in America. It's literally like we are Sky, we are selling these channels for this much, and they are they are basically hits level that they can they can increase prices to without scaring away customers and so yeah so you've had i mean the most famous one actually i think the most striking one was what happened to the spanish football league because the spanish football league is probably the second most popular uh football league in terms of national football leagues
1: is that where madrid would play
3: yeah so that's real madrid barcelona um and they 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 tried to strong arm sky into giving them a much better deal and sky so basically, they, they, there was a bidding process, Sky beat BT in the bidding process, and then La Liga, the Spanish League, basically turned around and said, we want a second bid to try and basically get BT to uh, beat Sky, and Sky refused to put in a bid, so they just walked away. And this was a crucial rights uh, package for Sky, and so then... La Liga went to BT and BT refused to up their bid from the losing bid. So La Liga literally had to go with their tails and their legs to see whether they could get the original offer from Sky. That's how strong on Sky is getting with these rights fees. You know, they they let um, a- ATP tennis go to Amazon for 10 million uh, pounds.
1: You know, which they is, are not which, messing around. And that's another famous one, because that one, again, it, to me, is a great example of. A result that is being interpreted by the marketplace in the U.S. very differently than it might be being interpreted overseas. And so I think both this premier example and the, the, the tennis rights, because if you read Brandon Ross at BTIG, he will bring up w- without fail the tennis rights going to Amazon and use that as an example of this means that Amazon wants to get into the live streaming of big sports, and it's inevitable that they're going to get WWE or th- or you know Netflix or Facebook or whoever. And I think the two things that are funny about that is, one, Amazon has a great opportunity to sell tennis equipment, which is very lucrative. And a lot of people that watch tennis play tennis. And so there's a great affinity between those two. And I think they believe in that. And two, it sounds like essentially Amazon might have been left holding the bag not in a situation they expected to win on.
3: <laughs> well, Amazon, so Amazon, basically, um, it isn't, so basically, um, there are two packages still left to be uh, sold. So there's, um, 40 games still left. And these are, these were designed to try and get the internet guys in. And they are basically, um, to allow, um, one broadcaster to broadcast all 10 games of around the fixtures. Um, um, and it'd be two it'd be two midweek and two bank holidays, and the idea, the rumours is, is that Amazon is very interested in these, and you can see why because that would allow them to, particularly the bank holiday ones. It'd be like, no, get your get your bank holiday barbecue stuff. You, sorry, bank holiday is public holiday I'm in Britain, so you put your 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 public holiday barbecue, your alcohol. No, get get your big game feast. And watch the big game on Amazon, um, but it's only Amazon. I mean, uh, Netflix, YouTube, neither of them um, bit on these rights. Only Amazon got involved, and they got involved with the most expensive uh, packet, at least expensive packages. So yes, I, I, I do think generally Amazon getting into uh, the streaming giants getting into sports is overblown. I do actually think there are synergies between WWE and Amazon that make that a potential uh, partnership that would make sense. You know, Amazon is rolling out the uh, prime video add ons. So things like Shudder, you can now buy as a prime video add on. WWE Network could be like that. Um, you have the same ability to buy. There are no, things no, you can we've heard- from We've heard from them,
1: from WWE, that the reason they don't like that Amazon model is because they they lose the visibility to the customer portal where Amazon doesn't share kind of the customer information and that WWE is annoyed because basically they feel like it's a brick wall where they get the money, but they don't get the information. And I think WWE's strategy has been very strongly around we are paying a premium in subscriber growth. So that we have control of the customer information so that then in the world when we finally make an e-commerce hub, we'll do
2: really well with it. I think there might be I, a, that's a, a, where... a burial speech where he kind of even stipulated that if if there's a, another company out there that would share the data with them, then they would be open to it.
3: Well, I think this is about to say because I think actually for both sides, it make more sense if Amazon was to buy the WWE rather than buy the rights um, because cause you, those synergies make more sense. I mean, this is one of the… Weird things with WWE more generally is it's kind of a – it is it is a bit out of step with how TV is evolving because, you know, because ad revenues are plunging, more and more uh, networks and cable stations uh, in America, what they want to do is they want to have their own studio oh, produce yeah, yeah. The stuff on their TV so they get all the ancillary rights. And, and, and WWE, all the
1: upstream, yeah, creator stuff that we've seen. Ryan Murphy going to Netflix now after leaving his Fox deal, it's partially out of concern with what happened with um, the ABC acquisition. And the same with mm. Shonda Rhimes, the same, same with um, uh, Robert Kirkland going to Amazon. We're seeing much more of these these studios basically saying, let me grab the creators of, of viral content up front, get the control of it, and then we're able to market it all the different ways we want. And, you know, there will be a day where I think we'll even see the cross-pollination the other way. We'll you'll see Amazon sponsored shows, but they'll be on network television. Just because, oh yeah, it's it's going in that direction. I mean, years ago, it seemed weird to see the you know the Walt Disney logo when you were watching a non ABC station. You'd say, "Why is Buena Vista Productions making this TV show?" But that happens all the time, where a studio makes it, but it doesn't actually air on the channel that was the studio that, that associated with that one. But you're you're very right that I think. Um, Amazon has a great opportunity if they decided to go there. Obviously it's a premium price to get WWE. We're talking billions here, if you were to think of, you know, kind of the, the price premium you have to pay to own a company like that at this point. But um Yeah, I mean you
3: have to be you'd have to say with with their market capitalization now, you'd have to say at least three billion.
1: Yeah. Um, and and I think WWE for ego's sake would have a hard time dealing with anything less than three, knowing UFC got four. Unless they're literally imploding,
3: yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, so so back to Brit. So basically, um, basically, so the so Sky and BT are being very clear. They having not talked to their shareholders. They're both publicly funded companies that we know rights fees have got out of control, and we we are we are we are getting our house in order. And what's basically happened? To, I remember years ago. When the 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 first big Premier League deal was signed, um, but uh, back, this would be back in two thousand and thirteen, fourteen, I was like, "This is great news for UFC and, um, and WWE because they're going to get um, big rights re- uh, rights renewals." And and that, that to be fair, did happen for WWE. Yeah, in twenty
1: fourteen, they they pretty much doubled their rights yeah. fees. They went from. Making in in the region, just for our listeners here, who probably aren't looking at trending schedules ahead of them every night when they go to sleep like I do. Um, In in 2014, they made $40.5 million out of the UK. And that's everything. That's live events. That's TV rights. That's merchandise. That's venue merch. That's everything. 2015, they made $75 million. They had a $35 million boost. And a lot of that came from TV rights fees. We would estimate they probably doubled their TV rights fees for 2015, 2016, 2017. It was a five-year deal signed at the time with B Sky B, which I assume is sky. Yeah, it's sky. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's tough to keep them all straight sometimes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, but what, Frank being quite clear is actually what was happening is, is that these companies couldn't make the figures work and that minority sports, which you kind of use to pad out your schedule, but don't really add your subscribers, were getting squeezed. So the one exception recently that got a huge uh, rights deal was English cricket, because English cricket has a reputation of getting subscribers and it appeals to a very different audience than their football. And and they uh, talk about
1: that in the, the Fox deal of why were they buying regional sports networks and they found that there were certain sports teams that could get you – could get a subscriber to stay with a cable package to get the regional sports network like the Chicago Cubs or um, – you know, uh, Detroit, um, one, of the, yeah, one of the Detroit team. And so it's that theory that there's certain things that people will pay extra for because they're such a big fan and they don't have a giant base of, of audience. But that audience will pay to make sure they can uh, they can watch that thing because they care so much. And we're seeing that with Fox use that same strategy or I'm sorry, now ABC. But Fox was was kind of saying the regional sports networks in some of their studies were were incredibly sticky.
3: Yeah. And so, but so basically, and and Sky have been explicit with this. They we are we are looking to reduce how much we are spending on second and third tier sports, um, and BT are very much the same. I mean, Sky have even got themselves out of certain contracts. They got themselves out of their contract for um, English Premier League rugby. So, and what they have also said. Like they've already said that any savings they make on rights fees is not to be reinvested in getting more sports, it's being reinvested in original programming.
1: So so because let's,
3: they want more dramas. Let's
1: flip this over now. So as 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 popular as our cricket rugby Amazon tennis fees podcast is, for wrestling, is wrestling a second tier sport to Sky?
3: It's an auxiliary uh, sport. So yes, so Sky, so Sky, Sky and WWE have a really long relationship. So do we talk about what they're called? B Sky B. They're called B Sky B because they were a merger between Sky and British Satellite Broadcasting. So it's British Sky Satellite Broadcasting. Uh, so that that's kind of how it all the name comes comes about. But WWE was one of the programmes on the original Sky Channel. Rupert Murdoch's attempt to create satellite TV in the UK that almost bankrupted him. So the Thatcher government bailed him out. Um, and it was WWE and it was Simpsons. They were the two early um, things. And I think they were joined by Mike Tyson eventually English Premier League cricket. Um, but it does seem there's been a the souring of the relationship over the past few years. What happened with the network is still not clear. You know, Sky had a right to show the, uh, all the pay-per-views. The network was undercutting them. I heard very um, obliquely,
1: let's say, from uh, a source that I very much trust that the reason they were not able to launch the network in the UK was problems from Sky. Essentially, yes. I, I put a sentence together that said that, and I was told we would not dispute that in any way. Off the record, <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of a discussion with a, a source that would know, and and so there was definite tension there. And and of course, I wrote for the Bleacher Report at the time, and I remember like three times I wrote an article being like the UK launch delayed, UK launch delayed, UK launch delayed, including that one time it was within like twenty four hours of when they were supposed to start. It was maddening, like how um, close they got. It, it was incredible that like there was clearly some gamemanship going on.
3: Well. Because, I mean, it, I mean, it was even bigger than the pay-per-views because before the new deal kicked in, Sky still had to write to NXT. Um, and, of course, there's the ongoing issue of main events um, um, uh, not being able to be... Able to be Which famously got
1: pulled off the network for live airings at one point, yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but I think even more, even more than that, is the fact that the, the deal they have in Canada, I thought it was a lock that that was going to come into the UK... The ten-year Sky, deal with a with a dedicated channel—is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Like? like you would you would have a WWE network that you could add to your Sky package um, because even more than what you have in Rogers, it would be perfect for Sky because Sky, um, you know, you can easily have add-on channels through Sky. They're premium channels that you you press your you you order for your your remote control. Sky has its own version of uh, of a Fire Stick um that it it could it could use to sell wwe network it would have made a perfect logical partnership and the fact that they couldn't get that to happen to me was interesting slash alarming because there's no doubt it would have made money um you just get everybody who was buying the pay-per-views to buy the wwe network instead so but then, so basically, Sky of the Summer did a massive reorganization of their channels. And so it used to be, you'd have Sky, it'd be basically Sky Sports 1, Sky Sports 2, Sky Sports 3, much like ESPN. And what they moved to was actually to have themed channels. So now you have Sky Premier League, Sky Cricket, Sky Football, etc. WWE is put on basically the capsule, you know, these are just the other sports we have lying around, which are Sky Action and Sky Arena.
1: Where does
3: the UFC land? UFC is on BT. Okay. So um, we yeah we we can talk about that in a second. The the, the issue of UFC and Sky is fascinating. Um, the um, and Sky Action Sky Action Arena has a list of about eight sports on the blurb that advertises the channel and WWE is not mentioned. Like Gaelic sports, the Irish sports, like um, Irish rules football um, is mentioned, but WWE isn't.
1: So you're saying basically they're 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 being barely promoted on this. You have to be a a fan to know that that's exactly what's happening. And that it doesn't seem like Premier is is interested in raising the profile in the
3: way they've restructured things. No, it it, just, it definitely does not look like Sky are interested in placing an emphasis on WWE um, in the way they used to be. It used to be you know, that uh, Sky Sports 4 would be like the home of WWE and stuff like that. And they would make a big deal of it. And part of that is, is the ratings no longer justify. I mean, it used to be WWE was a you know, would regularly get over 100. It would often pass to 100,000. And when you say that, are you saying for the live
1: <laughs> airing? Of the shows that in in the UK would be at what time?
3: So the live errands start at one a.m. Uh, uh, a.m. Um, and the way it works is you we get the live plus seven day time shift viewing.
1: So so uh, two one hundred to two
3: hundred
1: thousand people watched the show over the course of about a week. Yes.
3: Okay, and that would always be the biggest one, even more than the prime time. Because I, I remember when I was Sky subscriber, what you do is you record Raw, and either first thing in the morning before you go to work, or first thing you get home, you you watch Raw, and it makes more sense to do that than wait for the whenever the prime time uh, repeats would be shown. Um. So,
1: so what do you, what do you think is just? I, I want to make sure that we put this in in context here, because a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand from a UK from a US standpoint is is minuscule but i want to make sure that we're we're kind of saying it's proportional because if i think about the population of the u.s uh the u.s population right now is 350 million i want to say yeah 325 and the uk population so when you're talking here uh i'm assuming assuming we're talking great britain plus northern ireland would that be yep okay so that's about 65 million so yeah uh in terms of a ratio here, 65 over 325, it's about – let me just make sure I have my math here – 20%. So yeah. we're talking about one-fifth. So if we were to take that 100,000 to 200,000, that would say somewhere between 500,000 and a million uh, viewers. So probably on a and per then, capita then. basis a little bit lower than what WWE does in the U.S. If you think but about we you. do about 3 million viewers on 100 million TV not-
3: homes but then you have to think that Sky Sports is closer to a show like to a station like HBO Showtime than it is to USA network because it is a the, the WWE is on Sky Sports which is a premium station so you you would be paying for Sky Sports about 40 pounds extra of a basic cable bill to get these channels so you're th-
1: you're saying it would be closer to maybe looking even at at Game of Thrones is a bad example because Game of Thrones is a huge hit. HBO, but Box. But, but like a tiny uh, uh, a you know Silicon Valley ratings or something on yeah. HBO might be more akin. Play
3: this way, Sky and um, WWE on its it, it would be on the weaker Sky Sports channels. It would regularly. And back when it was in one hundred to two hundred thousand, it would regularly top its stations. Even now, at fifty, at about fifty thousand, it's regularly in the top one or two of its stations. The big, the big of Premier League matches, they all get about two point five million people watching on Sky. So that that gives you a, a rough idea. Um, I'm
1: just trying to figure out. You know, one thing that i am always been curious about is kind of the cost per viewer that WWE is commanding on their TV rights fees. And just thinking about it in terms of, you know, how many dollars that they're making and then how many how much are, how much is being spent to acquire, you know, like you're saying here, acquire 50,000 viewers. Sky is paying a pretty penny and in fact has doubled the amount it paid. And in fact, their ratings have gone in half. Is that the correct trend for them?
3: More than half. I mean, they, yeah, their ratings now, I'd say, have 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 de- declined quite dramatically. I mean, um, as I said, I've got the the this week's viewing figures up. Raw was second on on Sky Sports Arena uh, with fifty two thousand viewers. And um, the best example I can put out to is um, the big twenty fifth anniversary Raw that got one hundred and twenty five thousand viewers. Raw one thousand got three hundred and fifty thousand viewers. So that gives you an idea of how the Interest in the product declined. It used to be WrestleMania always broke two hundred thousand. This year, I think it was a roughly around a hundred thousand. They didn't quite make it. Their viewing figures have legitimately fallen by half. Um, to a point where you know, you are you are they they are hitting levels you'd have thought not possible a couple so, of years ago. So let's do the
1: calculus on that. So WWE basically made they they almost doubled their money. When they flipped, they went from, you know, let's say 11 million something dollars to 27 million dollars by by 26 by uh, the next year. So a huge jump in in revenue and then kind of small escalators, about a million and a half a year after that is what I'm estimating. So they got a big bump in pay. And every time I read the analysis everywhere else and Brandon, you can probably back me up on this uh everybody thinks the UK market is just going to go up when they look at WWE TV rights. Would you agree, Brandon?
2: Right. Although I think you've predicted it looks like the India TV rights might exceed the UK TV rights before uh, this round is up, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I think, I think on a, a dollar TV rights basis, there's a possibility the UK – one has low escalators and the India one has very high escalators. Mm. And we're also seeing that in the investment in the TV, right? The fact that they're producing extra specialized shows for the India market says a lot about keeping that that person very happy versus, you know, kind of their malaise that they've done with the UK. But we'll get back to that in a second. So with that in mind, Will, do you see Premier with all these different... I'm sorry, not Premier Sky. Sky. With all these different uh, elements here, do you see them investing more to maintain their to maintain wwe and when i say more i'm talking 30 40 maybe even 100 percent more is what some analysts have plugged in their head is what's going to happen here i'd be or is amazed that they, ridiculous
3: i'd be amazed if they got 30 pounds more 30 but ah. let's say 30 percent more no i'm so saying you're, like, you're saying I, I, you're, you're I, I think it's such ah. a such a ridiculous idea that you would be lucky to get a flat, deal. If they, if they a flat deal. They if they go flat deal, they should um, uh, kiss their lucky scar, uh, stars, and thank the guy uh, smiling them upstairs. They they, they
1: they launched a network in between this round and last round, and they were able to get them to pay the same amount, even though they've essentially bled off a lot of their uh, audience into either their own ecosystem or just bled them off.
3: Well, it's not just that. So that's true. So the fact that their viewing figures have collapsed is a huge problem. But it's also the fact that we go back to what we were talking about with the Premier League. And this is why it's relevant, guys. We weren't just talking about a football deal because it was interesting. The reason why the rights fees escalated so much the last time these these rights were negotiated was because you had this war between Sky and BT. And that war has ended. And so it looks like the, the Premier League will have to accept a slight reduction in their rights fees from the UK. So even if everything was hunky-dory for, for uh, the WWE-Sky uh, relationship, even if you hadn't had the issues of the network, even if you hadn't had the decline in viewing figures, Sky is no, lo- no longer has a reason to be concerned about WWE going off with BT, because BT quite clearly has basically put the message out, you know, we've got Australian cricket, we've got rugby, we've got the European Champions League, we've got some pre- uh, Premier League matches – we're fine. We're done. We're happy. We're not really going out in a, in an aggressive way anymore. So there is there is literally no chance. Um, if if Sky if if WWE get more money out of Sky is because they will give Sky more things. Um, but I think they'll be they'll be very lucky to to keep the money they have now. So that's interesting that you
1: say that because that would almost raise the possibility of saying. Okay, one of the reasons WWE doesn't want to pull the trigger on the UK expansion is that's a card in their arsenal that they can play with Premier to then say, here's why you should give us more money. I'm ready to make you a region-specific deal around launching this new brand that's going to be featuring UK stars and is going to have a lot greater interest and it's going to have promotional opportunities for you.
3: Um. Yes, I, th- I think I think I'm um, I'm sure that may be the issue. I think more likely um, they they rushed that because of the IT thing. Uh, IT yeah, a- oh yeah,
1: I agree. I, I think um, for clearly than then their strategy of just let's make sure we cut other people's legs out from underneath them. Um, what what I can't believe, and this this was a real shock to me, is 2017 WWE made 77.5 million dollars in the UK. 2016, WWE made $78.5 million in the UK. 2015, WWE made $75.6 million in the UK. Their three-year CAGR is less than 1%. I would consider going a region like that, which they, is their second largest region of the world that they invest in. It's bigger than Asia Pacific. It's bigger than the rest of Europe, plus the Middle East, plus Africa. Um, it's bigger than Latin America. And they're flat. They're not growing anything
3: there. That's a really you- alarming sign to me. It is alarming. To be fair to WWE, you have to remember our our currency has depreciated quite a lot over the past couple of years because of Brexit. That's so a great that, point, that-
1: and and that's probably explaining a little bit of this because, um, for sure, they have been jacking up TV rights and they've been jacking up t- uh, ticket prices, and to not see it kind of coming through on the bottom line was weird to me. But they also their their international tour numbers were down a lot, right, Brandon? They were down from what was it? Uh,
2: Seven thousand a show down to like six thousand a show this year. The the average I don't have it in front of me, but it, both were down. Uh, North American average was down by a couple thousand. International average. couple hundred, couple hundred, A couple hundred, and international average was down by a few hundred.
1: Yeah, See but it know, was I, it was bad, I, and so it made me nervous.
3: Go I, go wonder ahead, with that, I wonder with that. I wouldn't do with that. Weather changed because they changed the time this year. Usually it's straight after WrestleMania. And I like like every country. There's definitely a peak with WrestleMania in terms of interest in the product. And I do wonder sometimes whether that European tour being straight after WrestleMania, where people are buzzing about. You no, know, it's a one pay per view. They stay up all, uh, stay up all night to watch and oh, oh, WrestleMania. Oh, it's it's coming. You know, it's coming in in three weeks' time. Oh, let's go and get tickets. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this hypothetically because I don't go to WWE live shows. I, I went the last time I went. Was I think about 2011, and there was it was such a flat atmosphere, and there were so many little kids in the audience. And at this point, I had no, I had no children, and I just felt like, yeah, this is not for, <laughs> this is not for me. It's not aimed at me. So here are the numbers.
1: I things. No, I hear what you're saying. Here here are the numbers. Let me just make sure I get this right. So there are 70 international events for WWE this year, and international for them is defined as not in U.S. and not in Canada. That's mm-hmm. basically their definition. Even Puerto Rico, oddly enough, they sometimes call international. Um, there are 70 events. They averaged 5,700 people a show. Last year there were 64 events and they averaged 7,500, so it's a 24% decrease in international attendance. Meanwhile, ticket prices went up to $78 internationally versus $66. That's an 18% appreciation. And so international revenue actually was up 10% for the year, 115 million versus 105 million, but that's A from running more shows. But each of those shows had a smaller audience on average. And some of those audiences we know were disproportionately larger in other marketplaces like Latin America. So I have to think the U.K. market year over year was down. And I would I would have to really dig into my numbers to prove that. But my 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 gut feeling has been that, yes, the U.K. market was down.
3: I mean, they would, to be fair to them, they would have had a, a, a few UK WWE UK uh, tapings which have had abnorm- abnormally small audiences because they were uh, shot in smaller venues which would skew their average. But, I mean, look, I mean, my um, criticism of WWE for a while has been is that they don't, you know, they are in an alarming rating slide and they don't seem to care. And they, and it's they don't seem to care both in terms of and they're doing a lot of things that are counterproductive.
1: So like, well, let, I got let's, let's be clear, though. Are you talking about in the U.S. or are you talking about in the, oh, in UK? the U.K.? Well, because okay. I mean, in the U.S., yeah. Brandon and I would both say we're actually seeing signs this year of it stabilizing. It's gone down a lot, but it's stabilized versus a year or two ago when it was double digit red line. Very, very bad. It seems like it's it's kind of hit its new normal and it's it's beginning to bottom out. And in some cases even increase a little bit, but in the UK, it sounds like it is very bad.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've looking at the figures since I did the art, cause I did an article back in the summer and I was talking about this slide and it does look like they've kind of, they have hit splat and it's the splat is at this 50,000 um, uh, a week level. But, They're not to. I I go to sky, partly just to economize It's quite expensive, but also because, you know, in terms of I I, I had a young family and I just didn't have time to spend all weekend watching um, sports. But also when it came to WWE, it was like, I can watch all this stuff on YouTube now. You know, And it's not even like go and find the dodgy person who blows all of Raw on YouTube. It's like WWE, it's a big angle. WWE will have that up on you on youtube by about what 10, a, 10 a.m. et at the latest like if you're sky you're thinking you are you are souls you know our audience is busy at work and we want them to come back and watch it later at night and like when they get home and you're plastering it all over social media and then you have just this thing of you know you have great uk talent you have, pe- you have people like neville Drew McIntyre. Um, uh, Seamus uh, Finn Balor's t- technically from the Republic, but we you know we always count people from the Republic as British. Um, got Finn Balor, you know, you have a lot of British talent, and there's no effort to push them. Slight exception of Finn, and it's just like there's no effort to try and reach out and reinvigorate this British audience. Um, you know, you, they could have gone to Sky and say. You know, we've got this uh, Pete Dunn, tyler Bate match um, on this NXT TakeOver show. We want to promote our network. We've got a couple of WWE UK shows in the can. Do you want, do you, do you want them? Because um, it be, it'd helped WWE. It helped Sky. They just don't seem to be kind of like trying to turn things around. They seem very comfortable with the situation.
1: Now, now with that said, though, you know, they're, they're growing their revenue 10%, 9% a year, they are focusing on the US domestic marketplace. When you're saying they're not spending any effort there, is 50,000 fans, which I'm, I'm going to be realistic, that is the margin of error for the week-to-week viewership in the US. You know, we, we, that's not even going to concern them if they're losing 50,000 fans in the US. However, it is their second largest marketplace. Do you think they've the strategy should be get them on the network and people should be using WWE network as a premium, or is it really a let's rebuild our, our portfolio with premier? I'm with sky. I don't know. why I keep saying premier sky.
3: I mean, to me, look sky, um, sky is the other than NBC Universal, uh, Sky is the longest standing uh, television broadcaster WWE has. Um, it's the it's the continued the longest continuous relationship they've had because they've ne- since they got onto Sky in the late eighties they've never had a break um, mm-hmm. uh, from from dealing with Sky. The rights fees are big. Um, if they were still getting that two hundred thousand, they would be a second third tier franchise for Sky because a great advantage WWE has is it's all year round.
1: So you're going because to the argument that that basically you're not building for this rights renewal fee today. You should have been building for this two years ago and you yep. squandered that opportunity. And of course, now you're going to pay the piper.
3: Yes. I think they, what they should have realized is they, they got very lucky with the rights fees and um, they got, and they had to work bloody hard to make sure they, they got to keep them next time around. Um, and they've done None of that. They've, they've literally done nothing. Um, they've ju- they've just kind of taken the money and just kept on going. Um, and this is why I, th- I just can't see why Sky would give them more money. And I think the other reason is so basically, the UK is that rare thing in, in pro wrestling uh, in the world where it's a it's it's a country with a pay TV infrastructure because and and, and so that's why it's the it's WWE's second biggest market because across the world, pro wrestling in the post kfab era is too niche to be on network TV. So, in most of the countries in the world, you need to, you to make money from TV. You need to go network TV, but pro wrestling no longer does viewing figures to justify being on network TV. So, it can't be on network TV unless it's like in Japan, where it's on at like eleven o'clock at, at night. So. And WWE, uh, and the, unlike India, which is the other country, I'd say, where you have a 5 in pay TV infrastructure, you can actually tour in a WWE, in the UK. You can charge real money for live events. And again, unlike India and unlike America, it's easy to tour. Like I was talking to Travis Banks, who's a, a, a New Zealander who now wrestles in the UK. And he's wrestled in Japan, he's wrestled in America. He's like, the UK is great. You know, everywhere you go is it like three hours away? Um, You know, it's so close, um, such a compact country. So it's not just a fact that this is their second biggest market. It's that if they lose Sky, well, does Sky just stop doing pro wrestling? Or does Sky go to the boxing promoter it works with, Matchroom, and say, do you want to have a crack at pro wrestling? Because we know you know, there are, there are more than rumors that Matchroom have been sniffing around pro wrestling and seeing what maybe there's something they could do. Do you want to create the space where an English language rival has access to 40, 50 million dollars? Now, is and that it, likely? Go on. Oh, it just fascinates me,
1: too, because I, I do feel like the UK market is one where WWE has felt like they can manage it remotely. Is I'm not aware of a UK president for WWE operations. I know they have an office in the UK, but I, I'm not aware of an authority figure that works there. Their head of international, Garrett Myers, left two years ago or whatever, and never really. I mean, Ed Wells took over for a little while, and now he's gone, and now they've I've elevated somebody else. But international is is you know it's largely George Barrios is who you talk to when we're getting to this international kind of push on things. And he's all about India. You know, India comes up every time there's a opportunity, a a pause in the conversation. But it's rare that I actually hear them give a coherent UK strategy. And for the second largest market for them, I've always been stunned that they didn't say, look, this is the market we've developed, we've understood, and we've been able to cultivate for 25 years. This is the marketplace we need to make sure we have a good relationship with versus – Here's marketplaces that we don't really know if this is going to work. We're selling the storyline stuff, and it's going to be a brand new thing for us. And it seems like cash grabs left and right in these some of these international marketplaces versus in the U.K., where, like you say, there's a pretty fertile market and um, no language barrier whatsoever. So it's it's shocking to me just sometimes how little control they seem to have created around the whole idea of the U.K. contract. And then, like you say, the U.K. marketplace – it was a rush to thing to screw with itv but at the same time they've locked up all these people and they're just spending money on them to basically sit in limbo and it seems almost like that's going to engender more bad feelings from the uk public than it does good feelings in the end
3: well it's weird actually so so one of the things to be fair to wwe you no, know, when i was growing up in the 90s you know w, uh, uk wrestling was the tapes from America that were being put on Sky and WCW got the occasional deal somewhere and based on Hogan's and name recognition. And then it would be, um, you know, you'd have British Bulldog, uh, Stephen Regal, Norman Smiley um, and Fit Finley in America. And you would then have um, um, the holiday camp shows. And that was it. You know, um, um, you know you, it, it was a wasteland. And I think part of the issue is, is that do, that WWE has a kind of, like, I suppose it kind of has with WWE UK contract. It hasn't recognized there is now stuff there that they could actually tap into. Like, you know, it's, it's no longer a wasteland that they just happen to have a good TV contract with. It's now actually a place where the hardest core fans, the, the, some of the best wrestlers come from. It's, it's a place where they should look to invest. In terms of WWE UK contracts, it's a really weird thing because actually um, what happened last year was kind of a nice um, uh, interregnum because these guys got some money, which was good, um, and they got the, the profile from uh, WWE uh, – from the, the, the network shows. But then they were just left to keep headlining UK shows, which all started doing much better – if they had had a Pete done, and because these guys were made made stars, you know, I remember. I mean, I've got more into UK wrestling in terms of watching the, the indie scene this year, uh, last year. But I remember talking. I was I wouldn't have said I was an expert. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert now on the indie scene, but I was even less of an expert, even further away from being an expert. Um, December, January last year. Uh, sorry, 2016, 17. And you'd hear people saying, "Oh, the UK title tournament field is crap. There's no Osprey. There's no Saber. Um, there's no. Uh, there's no a um, uh, uh, score." And I was like, "No, no, that's not true. No, Pete Dun's great. Tyler Bates great. Trent Seven's great. Wolfgang. No, they've got some good guys here. And what's happened is, is that tournament turned Pete Dun and Tyler Bates in particular." into stars in the uk on the level of a will osprey Zack saber and they actually work more frequently than osprey and saber do in the uk so i and i'm looking i'm in wolverhampton which is um um basically near birmingham which is the home base of dun bait seven so we get to see them every month um and their their home promotion fight club pro has exploded so so are um, you are you are you basically saying that in
1: some ways they they kind of created a viral marketing for their own stars by saying we'll make you we'll give you a platform and then we'll let we'll unleash you again I'm sure this was not by design but that, we'll unleash you again back on that scene you'll grow in popularity there and then if we then bring you back into the fed now you're going to have a lot more of a natural kind of uh momentum coming in from a, from a, a a native fan base
3: Yeah cuz cuz now these guys if if they'd signed Peter and just chucked him in the next tea, um, um, uh, last year, um, it'd have be been like Big Damer, who's the um the fat guy in Insanity, whose n- new name is it? Killian Dane, his new I'm blanking yeah, on his, and on yeah, Killian Dane. Yep, it'd be like him. You know, oh good guy, but yeah, whatever. He, he, he most British fans, even relatively hardcore British fans, are introduced to him through WWE television. Whereas now, if they were to bring in Pete Dunne, it'd be like, this guy's a star. He's done all this good stuff all over the world. This is really cool. I, the, the one issue is, I'm not sure, like, the Pete Dunne or Tyler Bate want to go, um, because... I I think it's very interesting. For example, Mark Andrews, who's a lesser star than them on the on the British scene, is the one that's advancing the Cruiserweight uh, yep. tournament because obviously that means you're stuck in America for longer. do there have been no, more increasing issues with WWE pulling people from indie dates at very short notice because they want them for NXT, um, and so this is where it starts to shift and it's like, well, what is the future of this WWE UK thing. Cause I, I like the model. I think actually this idea of you give people some exposure and you just say, go, no, we're giving you a platform, go make it name, it, name it for yourself on the Indies and we'll call you back. If, if you succeed, I think that's quite a good model for WWE, but I, I, I think that's starting to shift. Um, because you are starting to get that issue of people I mean like Trent seven was literally pulled in December the week before, his own promotions end of year show. Yeah. The promoter that... pulled from his own show. <laughs> yeah. He's got to go to, to America.
1: Well, and it's, it's the, the dual thing of, you know, who is your master and who is your payday and, and all these other things. Like I, I get, I get sometimes the impression, like it's a chip on the shoulder that UK fans need to have UK wrestlers in order there to be a UK promotion. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm kind of curious about that nationalism. Is there, what what do you think that's grounded in? Is it just this idea that people are always attracted to something that they have a common bond with? Or what, why is it so important that, you know, we're building up UK stars for a UK promotion? Why can't we just ship over some really great US guys, is what See,
3: I'm thinking. I think this is where I think WWE, and to be fair, UK promoters as well, and particularly in boxing, I think this is where they get it wrong. It's not about, national stars it's about local stars it's about stars who are in the area on a consistent basis um, um so like example the best thing they're is, is what happened in both quebec boxing and in um german boxing where they had national stars and inverted commons but they were they were immigrants who came over to the cum boxes they lose some booty uh john paul pascal in quebec the klitschko brothers in germany they became they they weren't german when they weren't german or canadian when they got there but they became stars because they were there all the time and i think there's a real advantage to having stars based in the local area that are that the the, the crowd sees develop in front of them that they that they're more accessible to do local media like i work at a university I've been able to, get, I'll be able to get wrestlers to do things like Black History Month, LGBT Pride, um, uh, Forkham International Women's Day. You know, this adds to the general exposure. And if you're in that culture, you know the pop culture, you know what the fans want, you can tailor your act to those fans. If you're just flying in from America or from Germany or from wherever it is, you're not going to get that appreciation
1: so, All those so, fans want. So, would would you then say that you could do a circuit where you are importing American wrestlers or from any country of the world, if they're going to live and work in that circuit in that local area, that it could be I successful?
3: See, I see in Wolverhampton, so Fight Club Pro. They've got Travis Banks, a uh, New Zealander. Uh, they've got Aussie Aussie, uh, Aussie Open, who are an Australian tag team, and these are some of the promotions. Uh, fa- bit favorite acts and Travis Banks has gone on to become the Progress World Heavyweight Champion. You look at Ring Camp, uh, which is a German team; they've became big in Progress. It's that frequency. Um, obviously, there is an element of nationalism. I mean, because America is so big, and you have the interstate competition. You know, there there is always going to be that element. I think it's much more that thing of local stars. So yeah, if you if you shipped in an American who made their base in britain i think they would become um a, a a crowd favorite i mean the one i always thought would be good in, for british boxing was an australian called michael casidas because the british fans loved him and if, if they'd have just dropped him in britain for a year he'd become one of the biggest stars in british boxing because they people like this style um and if you look at people like riddle um or um noel suzuki because they are or keith lee because they are in britain so frequently they are getting, they're, they're getting like a fan base with the hardcores. Sure, sure. Uh, and I,
1: I just wonder, you know, it's so anathema to what WWE style is, because they, they will always be like, we're not playing for the building, we're playing for the viewers at home. We're playing for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, that's always why I thought the idea of these smaller circuits are a great ideas, but b very hard for them to pull off because it's not the strategy that they kind of built their mindset around. NXT, to a degree, I think, has started that again for them to say, hey, how is it that some people can get over to the NXT fans, but then we bring them up to the main roster and it doesn't work? And part of it is because the NXT fans feel this kinship, this ownership with this person and seeing them on that journey and seeing that kind of localization, like you say. And, you know, that doesn't come across on this other basis where you're not giving that same kind of progression to the person.
3: Well, I mean, I'll give um, a... I've been quite good about not plugging um Fighters Fit Magazine too much but um my article this this month's issue is um we we do every month a one to watch of um you know young wrestlers that we should um that you should keep your eye on and so I I did my first one actually um on a uh, a wrestler called Omari who I he kind of he had been bouncing around um you, uh, midlands indies but he made his debut in fight club pro last late last year and i saw him for the first time in february and i've basically seen him on a monthly basis for the rest of the year and i've seen him grow as a performer and you know it's it, the first big angle he did was you know la, um this, la, last december arguably this january but you just you see him every month and you see him grow as a performer and you do sort of feel like yeah that's my guy if he makes it big I can say I saw him in front, in front of 300 people when he was making it, and I've seen him grow as a performer, and I think that does add a lot. And I think it's actually part of the problem with NXT because they are kind of because NXT is in continuity, WWE continuity. They are almost like robbing the TV audience of that experience. Like I think it's one of the things that hurt Bailey. It's like Bailey's character worked by telling that story, but because her NXT background was part of the WWE story. They they couldn't show the three million people what the hundred thousand people had saw in NXT. It's 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 an odd dynamic they've got there, which I don't yes. think they've kind of worked out yet.
1: Absolutely. So let's let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, you you mentioned Fighting Spirit Magazine, and and you you write for Fighting Spirit Magazine. You've written great articles for them. And if people are curious about how to get Fighting Spirit Magazine, uh, it's a UK publication that I think actually publishes. Right? You can you can get the actual magazine itself, but it's also got its um, version online, and you can get the digital version of it um, at Let's see here. I should know the. I've written articles for Fighting Spirit magazine. I've never gotten a, I've never gotten my own copy of an article except for you know uh, the print copy. I mean, if you go to fightingspiritmagazine.co.uk,
3: um, it's available to get there. Uh, you yeah, might have to and, and pocket max is the kind of like the official app so if you go to pocket max you can get it there as well and there is a taster um uh, a free taste if you want to dip in as well <laughs>
1: so um, let's talk about india though because you wrote some articles about uh wwe and the india marketplace you were on <laughs> wrestling observer uh to talk to dave and brian about it um india is as um brian as brandon and i know very well is george Berrios's passion to talk about um he revealed on one conference call that his wife is actually uh indian american and so his children are indian american and so uh i wonder sometimes if that influences some of his you know culturally that's why it's so high on his mind a lot of the well, time my,
3: well my children are zimbabwean british and I, I don't think progress should be taught in zimbabwe anytime soon <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but just that idea of of i think that also has helped him a little bit just have a passion about it right you know sometimes sometimes something will, will stick in you and then you'll say okay this is what i'm interested in and and of course like you mentioned there's some reasons why the dynamics of the indian market are very interesting specifically around it is a pay tv market it's dominated by a few players these few players have been willing to spend more and more each year and despite language challenges. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a barrier of entry because, A, they they do some localization and, B, they're OK sometimes with certain things not even being in the local language. So what what is your take on WWE in India? And, uh, of course, we'll even mention this week's new signing uh, from TNA.
3: <laughs> so, OK, so so one of these I'm a cricket fan um, I'm, I'm, and cricket is a uh, real baseball um, <laughs> um, and cricket is dominated by India. Um, um, uh, um, I think, uh, famously, um, there's a quote that says, uh, cricket is an Indian game that the English happened to invent. Um, and, uh, so I, I'm relatively familiar with the dynamics of, of Indian sports TV because it, it influences my, my favorite sport so much. So basically to think of India, it's a billion people. It has a middle class to speak that, that speaks English. Um, massive linguistic diversity across across India. Um, um, now, but it, but there is tremendous poverty in India as well. Now, the thing with India is is it's not like Sky. It's not even like ESPN, where the money is made from the rights from either the rights fees from the subscription or the carriage fees. Because, like, so ten sports is what um, WWE's on in India. It's it's five pounds a month. Not five pounds for ten sports, five pounds for the package that gives you ten sports. Five dollars, like sorry, five dollars for the package that gives you ten sports. Where the money comes in is one, five dollars across a lot of people is not is 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 all right, but is the advertising. It's such a big advertising market. Um so the network never made any sense going into India. It was too expensive, you know. Absolutely. The, Amazon Prime is $15 for a year. The local competitor to Amazon is $3 a month. Uh, Netflix lost its ass when it tried to go into India because it was too expensive. And and
1: it has uh, a terrible infrastructure for broadband. So they, yeah. they require so much of there to be kind of offline viewing either through the ability to download content, which at the time Netflix was very against. And they had to – YouTube and Netflix basically had to design new models just for India.
3: Um, yeah, so that, that's – so network never made any sense. And, of course, Ten Sports carries all of the network's best content. It carries all the pay-per-views. It carries NXT. It carries the takeover specials. Never made any sense. So that's gone. Live events. There's a reason we do There's a reason only if you get a massive TV deal do you bother to tour India. One is a nightmare to tour. There's a famous Lance C- uh, Storm commentary where he just moans and moans about what an awful experience tour in India was. It's yeah, and, and famously, wasn't it Regal who who got so
1: ill after his tour that it was like a year before he wrestled again? And yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, it's it's huge. It's difficult to get around. There are security concerns. There's health concerns. Um, you know, it's it's an awful place to tour. Yeah. So and. They don't spend any money on tickets. Um, you know cricket is the um, uh, biggest sport in India, as I said, you know, there are Indian cricket games that are sh- that the tickets are two dollars. Um, um, you know and that so
1: when di- people people hear that great Kali did you know forty thousand people to see him wrestle in this place, that's great, but it's probably a a show where the advertisers
3: paid. Most of the yeah. gate and and the people were free in some way, yeah. correct? I mean, just I mean, people made fun of, it, of TNA for having free shows in India. Most most sports are free, and it's just to make it look good for the for the for the advertisers. There's a reason why in, the Indian cricket team is so willing to tour because if they tour, they can still show it on Indian TV, but, but they make they they the money. <laughs> they, they can actually charge ticket fees because I mean, you, you go. Um, so 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 there's so there's, there's that. So you can't tour India. So you are left with making money on the rights fees. And yes, in, India is certainly an important market. It's certainly a market they should be paying attention to. I am skeptical it is going to be as big a success as they think because the key thing with the Indian market goes back to that thing of it is based on attracting advertisers. So this is a market where the dynamics are the one thing Vince McMahon's never been brilliant at and wrestling's never been brilliant at, which is appealing to affluent people and convincing advertisers that your stars are something that their brand should be associated with.
1: Though, though to be uh, fair, there, there have been examples where WWE has also taken the paid show model in, in foreign countries where they basically said, local promoter, your job is to pay us X amount of dollars. And your job is to find the sponsors to get that many dollars, and we'll just show up and do the show, and we don't lose our shirt, if whether it's 2,000 people in the building or 8,000 people in the building.
3: But you still, have, and, you still have the issue of traveling around India? Oh, you? Oh, no, you absolutely do.
1: I'm just saying WWE has found in some marketplaces that they are still oh, willing yeah. to go with the kind of outsource the promotion model so that yeah. it's not Vince McMahon who has to find the sponsors. The, the local promoter finds the sponsors, and they just pay Vince McMahon the amount of money that he requires for them to show up. Oh, and, I see. And, and so they, they've done that in other places around the world. And I'm not talking 20 years ago. I'm talking last year when they went to Chile and there was the big fight about uh, Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn leaving. One of the reasons Triple H came down was I think the local promoter felt he was being cheated on the paid show because yeah. he wasn't getting the stars that he wanted. And but the show sold out. They did really well. But it was that sort of idea of saying I've seen that happen with the Middle East, too, where when they go to UAE a lot of times, that's a paid show. Uh, And so they'll they'll even mention that in their attendance numbers where they'll say such it's a low attendance number, but it was a paid show so that we're not worried about that in terms of money because then the tickets are like one hundred and twenty dollars a person. I don't know if it's really one hundred twenty dollars or if they're just dividing how much they got paid by the number of people that showed up.
3: Why was it more in terms of TV advertisers? That's I was, I was thinking more that dynamic. So to, for Got WWE to, to to convince Ten Sports, we deserve to you double our rights fees. They will need to convince Ten Sports that they can sell the advertising better. Um, and I don't know, but I am highly skeptical. I think I think Ryback for once hit the nail on the head. Um, most people in India don't have uh, don't have money, and the ones that have money don't want to spend on WWE. Um. um so as a priority, never made any sense. Um, the, the one thing I would say in its defense is that there is a huge Indian dysphoria all over the world. So you're mentioning, um, George bars. So obviously there's a growing Indian, uh, Indian American population in America. There's a sizable one in Britain. There's a sizable one in South Africa. There's a sizable one in Australia. And they do tend to be, um, very affluent. um, So, going into India makes no sense. Trying to do some stuff in your programming that appeals to Indians. Yeah, I could see that argument. Doing this weird thing where he's a heel.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that the challenge then? Is that you don't want to portray your Indian, Indian American, Indian Canadian, or Indian Indian athletes as being villains, but rather you want to say, look at how incredible this person is. And that, you know, they're. Because I went to school with a a, a sizable um indian and pakistani population and for instance i remember how hard they would search out cricket (laughs) footage and just you know the 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 hoops they were willing to jump through to watch it it was incredible
3: to me but they did it and the basic idea of the basic idea of we we put a championship on an indian superstar and that will make that will increase interest in india is a perfectly plausible idea because you know, you see it, you see it in the evolution of Indian cricket, you know, they weren't interested in one day cricket until they, until they, until they won it. Then they were interested. They weren't interested in T20 cricket until they won it. Then they were interested. They weren't interested in women's cricket until they got to the final. And now there's a surge in interest. You know, they, they definitely do. There definitely is a mentality of following winners. Cause the one thing with India is outside of cricket and hockey, it doesn't actually have much sport and success. You know, it, so when has, you say hockey,
1: we're talking field hockey, right?
3: Yeah. Field hockey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: Americans are going to be scratching their head thinking. What are you, <laughs> <talking about?" laughs> oh, you mean field hockey? Yes. Field hockey. Um, um, it doesn't have much sport and success. You know, it's a really pathetic um, uh, uh, list of Olympic medalists in its history. Um, so, so, the idea in terms of doing the kind of programming stuff made sense. The business side, no. And the person they got to do it, no. Um, I did, this weird thing, so they had them do the whole Punjabi thing, right? Punjabi is a niche language in India. Like, I think it's like something like 3 4% of Indians speak Punjabi. Uh, no, 6% speak Punjabi. And it's concentrated in the Punjab, um, which is an, India, an Indian state. Um, it's not a ma- It's not Hindi. It's not. It's not a major language. Um, so the whole thing made no sense. Um, now, why they did it? There's two reasons why they did it. So one. You talk about why are they investing in India rather than the UK. Well, the narrative you have to say in the UK is we've made some bad creative decisions. We've made some mistakes. We have a large, lapsed fan base that we've driven off through poor programming. But we're now going to try and win them back. And it's the same in America. you know. You know they could get – ne- there are two, three million WWE fans walking around who no longer watch your product. So that, that disengaged,
1: back. casual fan is what you're saying yeah.
3: It would be a bit embarrassing to go on the, the investor call and say, yeah, we realize our creative has sucked for the past five, ten years, and we're now going to try and win, win these LAP fans back. Much easier to go and say, well, look at all these new fans overseas that have never been exposed to our product. We're going to go and win them over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think, and,
1: it, and I mean, India, let's just put it in context here. I think Indian rights 2013, 2012 – we're talking 10 to 12 million dollars is my my educated guess and now we're talking that they're in the 30 million dollar range again very close to what the UK is so in theory too if you can say hey i'm exploding this marketplace maybe that's an investment for the rights renewal where you can say look we we're getting such better viewership we're getting such better traction in this country that this com- that this they're going to throw 10 million or 15 million dollars incremental at us and i'll tell you Junior Mahal, if he gets them ten million to $15 million incremental that they would not have gotten, then it's all paid for itself. The challenge is I don't know if if that's really, A, you could, something you can a, a, attribute to their one decision to go in that one direction, and two, whether or not they can be sure to get that doubling of fees that they, they kind of need without their – competition is competition. I think just like you said, the BT Sky debate made the rates go up in the U.K., the the question is basically whether or not the the India marketplace will have kind of that perfect storm of competition again or whether Sony 10 Sports, which originally I think Tony, Sony and 10 Sports were two separate companies that kind of came together. Um, I don't know what's going to happen now. Uh, do what you have a you feeling a of how
3: many players there are in India? I, I, um, I mean, you have 10, you have Sony, and then the biggest one is Star. Which but is I think I think Sony over. and Ten are together now, aren't they? Yeah. I think just yeah, recently. I'm pretty sure they've merged. Yeah, and then Star, but Star's been taken over by Disney, which mm. is one of the interesting is that so you t- so one of the interesting things about the Disney takeover of basically the parts of Fox they can take that won't cause um, the the authorities to turn it down on antitrust reasons um, is they they are, they are, obviously Disney already have ESPN. They're getting Sky Sports, they're getting Star. They're your three big players because Sky is not just Sky in Britain; it's also Sky in Germany and Italy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so in fit, and we know Beat Disney want to do a streaming service for sport. Is that going to be an ESPN American only streaming service, or will that eventually become a one that covers? America Britain Germany uh, Italy, India, because once you have got that you, you you pretty much got a stranglehold on the pay sports market and that would make you a much very powerful figure so I, 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 I that area I don't know so much
1: I, I, but that's a that's a fascinating kind of idea though is to say yeah. okay, what if ESBN and i don't know what espn's reputation is overseas whether you would call it the espn plus streaming service the way espn you know that that means sports here in the us but like you mentioned it's really other countries of the world where there's these lucrative packages on digital distribution that could be valuable to them but does the espn name resonate in britain does it resonate in europe
3: it means american sports okay. so like we have so, the espn espn branded channel um and so like it's a it's a commonly known brand in and, yeah, it, it, when you hear ESPN, that's what you think. You think American sports. And, and, and I wonder sure it,
1: if that's not a good mix if you're trying to say, hey, we're going to, you know, chomp up all these other sports rights that
3: are more popular in other countries. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that they've they've deliberately got star and sky sports. And what is – does Disney have a plan where there's some synergy? Because it can always be it's the same underlying thing. You just brand it differently in the different areas.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I, I, I guess we've all thought about the ESPN app as being successful in the US, failing or succeeding, and I don't know if I've heard a lot of talk about the international implications of it. So I just find I mean, that Sky, really intriguing.
3: Because Sky already has an app, um, um, and it does quite well in terms of sudden day and uh, day pass, day and week passes for its Sky Sports services. Um, so it will be interesting. In terms, the other reason why I think they're doing it is just because Netflix were talking about it. Um, and WWE likes hopping on bandwagons that other countries, are, that other successful companies are doing. And this goes back to the thing of WWE don't understand Netflix. And the reality with Netflix is every quarter it loses a ton of money. Um, it's losing a ton of money because it's not charging enough to cover the costs of the products it's selling. The gamble its investors are making is that that product is so. Um, appetizing that it will get such a large subscriber base that at some point it'll be able to turn around to its customers and raise prices and to its supplies and reduce what it pays uh, for content.
1: And, and, and their third leg of the strategy, which is the more content they themselves can produce and own, then they have to pay less for, for paying for other people to make that content and risk losing it. So they're also trying to, you know, kind of cook a little bit of their own meals uh, and and feed it to the people, and then say, okay, we made our own investment on yeah. content ourselves, and and now if you want to see Ryan Murphy or Shonda Rhimes or whoever, their their stuff is going to be premiering on us. And like we say, it's stickiness, right? They want yeah. they want a service that even when they say, hey, we're going to raise it by five bucks, everybody says, well. I'm OK with that. And it's basically what cable was 20 years ago yeah. where, or 10 years ago when you'd said, oh, it's going up. And people would say, well, I'm OK with that because it has what I want. And I, if I can't get that, I'm going to be upset.
3: So now here's the thing: So I think there's evidence Netflix is starting to hit saturation and it's uh, in its first wave markets. Absolutely. That it start, it's starting to struggle to add those subscribers. But it's not really at the point where it can start jacking up prices or, or cutting the costs. So there's a real danger you get an investor strike on Netflix, which is why Netflix talks so aggressively about expansion. The same with Uber. They, they are relying on a network effect, and they're not hitting the point where the network effect takes, a, takes charge. And it doesn't look like they're ever going to, but they need to keep the investors um, happy. And the way to do that is just keep expanding. It's like a shock. Either move forward or you die. And so that's why it makes sense for net, Netflix to spend a lot of money to get an extra... One, two, three million subscribers in a country like India, if if they could. But as I said, WWE is not like that. It already has its monopoly. It already can charge as much or as little to its customers as it wants. It can already pay as much or as little to its suppliers as it wants. It hasn't reached saturation point in its in its uh, established markets. There There are literally millions of Laps fans in Britain, Mexico. Uh, United States and Canada that they can make a real effort to, to reach to reach out to and win back. They just don't want to, and it's easier just copy the Netflix uh, spiel, which doesn't really map onto their business. Mm-hmm. And so we have our all the investors that
1: are you know secretly listening to this podcast and updating their spreadsheets. We we talked about why the UK has a very strong opportunity, maybe not to um, go up what is your take on india market do you think the india marketplace for tv rights for wwe will be higher than last time and it will and then the next question is basically if compared to the domestic increase in terms of percentage do you think it will be increasing at much higher than the domestic percentage same as domestic or lower than domestic so what i mean by that is last time they doubled and domestically it was like 40% up so it was clearly much higher
3: i think i i don't see a reason why they wouldn't get an increase in india after I've slated the Indian strategy just because the dynamics of um the Indian the Indian TV market is is that that they're, they're looking for content WWE has shown attentiveness to them there there's there's things they can offer them um I, I i would assume they can get an increase how much it is I don't know i think that's that's always a bit contingent on whether there's a bidding war or not. Um, but I, I, I would be surprised if they don't get an increase and a, and a fairly big one. I'm just not. It's one of these things where I, say, I think they could probably get that increase for or for much less than they're doing. And I think I think they have to realise the only the only way they get money out of India is through their TV rights fees. The rest of their business model just doesn't map onto India uh, properly.
1: Though, though they have um, designed, it's called the Sold Store. It's a a uh, kind of an e-commerce platform similar to what they do in Amazon UK, where it's, mm-hmm. instead of doing WWE shop themselves, they have a kind of a third-party licensee. I, I do think that there might be some opportunities with that sort of thing, where you can be you know targeting higher end consumers for some merchandise and whatnot. But I agree with you very strongly that the live event marketplace is um, very diminished there and their biggest opportunity is just kind of these c- cyclical increases and then trying to keep those partners very happy during the meanwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right that I, in some ways, and this is something I've said before, which is there's more opportunity in regaining lapsed fans because you know they like wrestling content than there is sometimes in generating new fans in marketplaces that are going to just be fickle and that you're competing with every other form of media, entertainment, sports, and, and so forth. And especially when you're poor at translating your product into the local marketplace and understanding their cultural norms versus just presenting what you like and what you do and then finding the places where they resonate with that. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. Let's talk uh, very lastly. Um, I really appreciate again we have Will Cooling on the line here. Will's uh, available on Twitter, of course, at what is it
2: at Will Cooling?
1: Yeah, guess. I will call it. Nothing yeah. too, uh, nothing to nothing too complex there. Um, lastly, just what what are your thoughts here with New Japan? Yeah, I think you even said something about New Japan in the UK. Obviously, we have New Japan storming the beaches of Long Beach right now. Um, what, what's your take on kind of the development of New Japan as this second year player um, and rival to WWE and in international expansion?
3: So I, I think there's a real opportunity for something exciting. So New, New Japan hasn't done a UK branded show. Obviously, they work really closely with Revolution Pro Wrestling. They do much like uh, they do in America with Ring of Honor. They do branded global wars shows um, every year, which which do really well. Revolution Pro has has a lot of uh, New Japan talent feature regularly uh, for them as well, which lead uh, to to higher attendance figures than usual. The the issue New Japan has in Britain is they're just not on TV, and it's one of these things where I find it quite frustrating because you know obviously they've they've got Will Ospreay as their uh, junior heavyweight champion, they've got Marty Score in that division, they've got Zach Saber doing stuff, they've got uh, David Boyd Junior. Although you know he's Canadian, but you know son of Bishop Bulldog, you know he counts. You know there's there's a lot of um, British talent in New Japan. And in theory there could be more if New Japan established a real presence um here. I and I do wonder why someone like BT doesn't just go out and get the access footage and just put it on and just do a trial, see what happens. And if you get enough interest, then start talking to New Japan about, you know, could we have a bit where it's tweaked for the local market so you put more of an emphasis on people like Will Ospreay or Marty School. Um because there's no doubt they are a big deal in the UK in terms of live attendance. You know, the young books you know, that I, I went to the, um, the young books is tour of Easter last year. Um, so they hit Wolverhampton on a Friday and, um, the promotion managed to sell out a building that sit, seated over a thousand people. Like sell out like literally it was sold out months in advance. Um, and that was not unique to that area. They, they were selling us all over, all based on um, their, their fame in New Japan and Ring of Honor. Do
1: you, do you think they would do better to do the all-in show in the UK than in the US?
3: Uh, I think Chicago is probably the place to go. Um, I like that answer. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think Chicago is the place to go. Um. I think I think it would have been a good idea, but you have progress is doing a big uh, arena show um, in September, which I think is kind of is going to kind of do the all in gimmick um, before um, at the same time as uh, Cody and the books are. Um, I yeah, I, I think I think Chicago's the bear because the thing is the real hardcore. UK traveling fans will want to go anyway and they, they will go to Chicago and you'll get the Americans You probably wouldn't travel. I mean, the Americans wouldn't travel to Britain to go see a show, but do you, the hardcore UK and Europeans w- would, um, but I, I, yes, I, I, I think there's a real chance for new Japan. I think they have good British talent. They could get more, but it's just that thing of, it's that thing as always is that in this country, in terms of TV, pro wrestling is wwe because it has been that since um 1989
1: now Um, you so you bring up a lot of good points there about you know there's an opportunity if new japan were to to leverage it to go in that direction do you think that the decision makers at a bt or at a sky are at all understanding that kind of local because that's that's a very localized thing to say Hey, do you understand that New Japan has got a a base here, and that as strange as it sounds, a Japanese promotion on British television would be really successful because there's British stars over there, plus it's translated very well to the British fans. Or, or is no. this a case where we're not hearing anything about TV people who who get the marketplace?
3: No, I, I, I don't. Sense. I don't think they have any idea. I, I think I think I think uh, I mean, this is one of the things is I think I think sky have been quite comfortable with they just get their tapes from. They just get their tapes from WWE and they put them in and they don't have I think about it anymore, um, and BT, no, I, I and I and I and I, because like BT could have. If BT was serious about pro wrestling, they could have gone after Impact, and they and they showed no interest. And, um,
1: and on top of that, I think New Japan has shown such a uh, reluctance to put itself at risk aversion. They're so risk averse. And the challenge there being that unless, they're not pursuing this. They're not, you know, the ones no. that are kicking kicking the tires and saying to everybody, hey, pay attention to me. I feel like access kind of in America is a fluke because I think some of the key decision makers um, have kind of MMA connections. And I think a couple of them read The Observer. And, you know, they, they put two and two together and they figured it out. It's much in the same way Spike with Kevin Kaye. You know, he played a large role in a lot of times in which things were going or not going, and and a lot of times it comes down to key executives who are plugged into some other person in their ear who's kind of whispering, "Hey, you should do this. Hey, you should look into this."
3: Yeah, and I think I think people underestimate how fluky things are, and things that seem impossible are actually possible if you get the right break. And the, the best example I have is British boxing because British boxing basically died. Um, in let me get the year right. It died in two thousand and. 2013, I want to say 2013, I think. Um, I think it was 2013. 2012. to It was either 2012 or 2013, basically after the Hey Klitschko, because Sky... Had such heat. There had been issues with Amir Khan, uh, where pay-per-view had to be cancelled. There had been issues with David Haye's fight. <coughs> so,
1: so explain, have... explain to us what you mean by issues, just briefly. Are you saying that the, it didn't air correctly? That these men had like personal issues, and they were, you know, like Mike Tyson raped allegations? I have no so, idea what you mean by issues. Okay.
3: So Amir Khan. So this this would be this would be 2011 actually. 2011. So Amir Khan um, was meant to do a Sky pay-per-view. Um, in March time and he could not get an opponent that Sky thought they could put on pay-per-view and so Sky said we're pulling this off pay-per-view, we're going to put you on Sky, I think it's going to be on Sky Sports 3 or 4 and he was like no, you're going to put me on Sky Sports, it has to be Sky Sports 1, they said no chance that we've got got Real Madrid versus Barcelona, Um, you're on Sky Sports 3, we're not airing you And so they didn't air it, and he had to go off to a niche pay-per-view channel. Uh, And I remember there was an interview, uh, there was an interview with the head of Sky, whose name I'm blanking on. I think it begins with Barney. Um, But he was like, you know, I'm at the Masters, this huge event, and I'm having to deal with this crappy boxing um, event. Then with David Hay, there was a problem that his shows would do very well, but he just wasn't a very good boxer. And so the, the fights would either be bad... So Kimball um, slicing. Uh, well, he's not that bad. Um, <laughs> even I wouldn't say David <laughs> Hay was that bad. Um, but the fights were very not very good. He finally fought Klitschko, and he did terribly. And there were a lot of complaints. And the thing with Sky is, is they do pay per view, but obviously their money is in um, their money is in um, the 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 pay channel, the, 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 the standard channel. And what they don't want is people ringing up to complain about a pay per view and then cancelling the the, the call the core package and so they put an edict down no more pay-per-view no more boxing pay-per-views the established promoter frank warren thought it was so impossible to make money on pay-per-view on money with boxing in britain without pay-per-view he literally founded his own channel rather than stay on what sky would offer for televised cards but luckily for british boxing um barry Hearn's son was re- Barry Hearn had been a very high-profile uh, boxing promoter in the 80s, 90s, um, particularly, um, particularly with an Irish boxer called Barry McGreg- uh, McGregor. And he, his son had a real... But he had moved into darts and snooker. But he, and he was, he was make, doing good, good business with Sky on darts and turned it into one of their biggest uh, shows. And his son had a real first to make a, sec- a success of boxing and to restore the luster of, of uh, his dad's uh, former boxing promotion company. And so Matchroom came in and they basically were willing to invest money, lose money on putting big shows on on Sky Sports to grow the fan base, to earn Sky's trust so they could go back on pay-per-view. And so now British boxing is booming. You've got Anthony Joshua doing a, selling out stadiums, doing big pay per view. But it's all because you had a son who wanted to live the life his father lived in the 80s, 90s. Without, without Eddie Hearn, this big success of boxing would never happen. If, I, if I'd have gone to you in 2013 and uh, in 2012 and said British boxing can sell out Wembley not once but twice and sell out other stadiums in the country within the next five years, you'd have thought I was crazy. So, so to bring this back to kind of a wrestling context. But my, so, my, so my point yeah. with New Japan is it's basically, it sounds, the, the idea that you could have New Japan be successful on British TV, that you could have a British promotion that replaced WWE on Sky and successfully promoted on pay-per-view and started doing big events, not just in arenas, but potentially in stadiums sometimes. That sounds crazy. But it, it could happen but you really need
1: those lucky bricks, sure, sure. and I think I think you make a great point because the the challenge is you're never going to find a wrestling analogy for every wrestling deal. But a lot of times there's other analogies for television rights fees, for sports for live event attendance, for gaining traction in marketplaces that people would not consider n- natural fits or unusual constituencies. And this is a great example of one to say, you know, we have seen things that people said were dead, was impossible, it doesn't work. Pay-per-view is, is a, a dying breed. Uh, Brandon is cringing now at our talk of old media and old sports like boxing and pay-per-view. Um, but uh, lastly, view will we'll, never die got,
2: and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh
1: most important thing aman parit singh aka Mahabali shira signed by wwe are you surprised that they have taken mr impact himself
3: i'm not i mean this is this is what they should have always done i mean i i put in my um when i did the article on india i said they should go and find um uh people uh Indian wrestlers that are that they think they can develop, hone, and then bring them on the main roster. So it's it's a perfectly sensible idea, um, um but as I said, I think I think um, so. It,
1: so it gets it, it gets to my big question though, which is. Is it make sense for us to do this nationalism push where we say, I got to go find Chinese wrestlers. I got to go find Indian wrestlers. I got to go find international wrestlers. Or does it more make more sense to say, I need to find wrestlers? Or does it make more sense to say, I need to find better pro athletes? And I know the answer is always going to be all of the above. But I, I do feel like we have competing theories sometimes about what's working. And when I look at the percentage, there's very few people who are coming into this outside of a pro wrestling passion that are becoming yeah. really big and successful. I'm sure there are examples, but, you know, a lot of them are not great examples. You know, when I look at Daniel Bryan, who I'd call arguably a very international superstar, someone who got over in many countries and, and really, you know, seemed to connect with fans, he was a wrestling purist at heart. Uh, the Rock is a third generation superstar. Steve Austin got into this for no money. These are not people that are being hired out of the NFL to go up and be big stars. Even Brock Lesnar, you could argue they honed and they did give him big money from the beginning, but they had to get the passion out of him to make sure that they could make it work versus I, I just wonder sometimes if you know we're, we're investing in people left and right just to get you know the Indian baseball player. And things like that, because he's tall, and that's going to work in this marketplace. And it's just tough for me to understand it sometimes.
3: So I think there's a few. I think first of all, you do have the issue um, where the pitch that we have a Indian, Chinese, whatever superstar. And they are making waves for this country in, in in on the world stage. It's a good way it's a good pitch to get um the newspaper coverage, to get Absolutely. a pitch made into T V stations. It's a nice story, um, to make that introduction. And and I think that's and that's also true more broadly with the population. But I do go back to that thing of I think it's more about local stars than national stars. So if you look again, you look at um Uh, India Indian cricket some of the biggest stars in Indian cricket aren't Indian you know you look at people like Kevin they're they're in the brink of retirement but people like Kevin Peterson uh, Chris Gale you know Kevin Peterson's a South African who became an Englishman Chris Gale's uh, from uh, the West Indies but they they play in India quite frequently they are in India to do commentary, to do advertising. I mean, this is this is the thing, I think, where I, I, I am convinced. I'm, I'm convinced that the Jinder Mahal thing didn't take. Because if it was taken, what you'd see is Jinder Mahal constantly having to go to India to do... Um, promo spots, to do adverts, to, to to go and open a school, you know, just to show your face in that market. So, I mean, I did an article a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and I said, what they should do with NXT, because I'm really concerned with NXT. I, I agree with kind of the, your line of thinking. Uh, I'm going to put it quite brutally. I think mean, they run the risk of creating the generation of Lex um, um And because it's too top-down, we recruit these stars, we tell them how to work, we, we give them their gimmick, we tell them how to perform the gimmick, we tweak it, we then send them to the main roster. Oh no, the first son of adversity, they have no idea what to do because they have no instincts. I think it would be much better is to do something like WWE UK. You know, either your top indie stars, you know, you you sign them to a retainer so they can't go to New Japan, they can't go to Ring of Honor. Then you bring them in for TV every now and again, but then you send them off and say, you go and do whatever you want to do. And you be based wherever you want to base, be at base and you make your name. But it's a such more- a
1: hard sell for them to say, why did we spend 100 million bucks on a performance center? And I'm, I'm making <laughs> up that number. I don't know the real number, but corporate yeah. and other has exploded because the, if the whole idea was, which was, you know, 15, 12 years ago, when when it was the Shane McMahon, William Regal idea of let's do territories around the world, develop talent, talent naturally, and then bring them back to the U.S. when they're ready for the big tour. And it was kind of rejected as the idea of, well, we don't want to rely on these feeder systems, and we don't want to rely on these, you know, setting up TV deals with other countries. And so it's it's so to them, then they they pitch this thing that says, okay, the only way of doing this has to be we've got to train this talent and make it. And of course, the, Brandon and I laugh every year when the annual report comes out and they list the NXT talent that's been developed. So <laughs> Nakamura was listed this year as an NXT talent that was developed. And I've gone backwards. I think they've got they, they deserve credit for the fact that Nakamura did get over in the US in a way that I think a lot of people would have had a question mark at first, though honestly after his first match that question mark was erased. Um, I mean
3: I, I, I increasingly think the only way NXT turns out a great wrestler is to be given an excellent excellent wrestler. Um they they just wrote H H&M more to death. Um, I mean, this is one of the things I increasingly think, and, I'm, and we keep pitching it to Brian to let me, my editor to let me write it for Sam. It's like people moan about the writers ruining WWE television. I think the road agents have a much more pernicious influence, but nobody goes after them because they're all ex wrestlers that we that we respect. Um, but you you compare you compare say the Tyler Bait Pete done, the, the matches Tyler Bates been having it. In uh, independent promotions or in WWE UK, where they're not agenting that closely, to the one he had on 205 Live, where the WWE road agents got it, sunk their claws into him. Um, it's so top down, and it's exactly the opposite of what we need. Pro wrestling. I remember uh, I was talking to Jack Asano a while ago. Um, of you know, the fan
1: that, podcast.
3: Yeah, you know, he had that idea of let's show, show the backstage machinations.
1: Yeah, the and, idea and that he, the network could have some kind of a reality show that maybe yeah. we would actually see writers booking a show, Um yeah. rather than, uh, than you know they did that with Jerry Springer once actually. There was yeah. a reality show about the booking of Jerry Springer, but I digress. Uh,
3: um, and he and I uh, had this conversation because I I the idea of actually do you do you don't quite go that far, but you do more about the the kind of backstage life, bit bit like Total Divas. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Total Divas. I think it gets people over quite well. Um, but one of the things he said, and I think it's very true, is in a predetermined sport, the the only thing that matters is getting over. That's that's the achievement, that's the merit. If you have a to have a merit based system in pro wrestling, it's that you let pro wrestlers, particularly um, uh, well established pro wrestlers, work their match, do their interview, hone their gimmick, because. That's then how you know who's good and who's bad. Because it is that working ability, that way to engage with a crowd. That's the real essence of pro wrestling. And that's what NXT is doing. It is methodically scrubbing that out.
1: Couldn't you argue, though, that's like saying, I'm going to put on a play. It's predetermined. The script is written. I'm going to let all the actors decide what choices they themselves should make and that therefore the best performance will come out because everybody's going to be motivated to make the best choices in there rather than because. saying we need a director and the director and the stage manager and everyone else is going to be there saying that doesn't work, that doesn't work, this works, you should do this, here's my acting coach, here's this. I, I do think that there's that that counter argument. I, I hear what you're saying, but I also do think that the free-for-all model and Brandon as the independent pro wrestler can probably speak to this. Uh, it is tough to get two people with competing ends To necessarily always work together isn't that true brandon
2: um as far as what for example
1: if the idea is get yourself over Mm -hmm. is the end goal if you don't have a authority between you and your opponent isn't there a challenge sometimes because you're inherently at odds with each other of sometimes to get over the other person has to kind of
2: look weaker or look less i guess like as an independent wrestler at my level i see a lot of like there's – especially at this point in 2018, there's a lot more diversity as far as who's been around longer and who's the senior person in this situation, and that's kind of just what happens is there's the person who is most respected in the situation, and then everybody kind of defers to that person, and hopefully that person also leaves room for everybody else to have their input. I don't know if that answers your question.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, and I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying too, Will. I'm I'm just challenging you. I'm just giving you a counter-example. Yeah, yeah.
3: And I th- and I think and I think it's I think it's a fair point. I think this is where booking comes in and stuff like that. But I think it's that thing of, um, to use your the the big stars, the ones that make money, they control their own careers. Like the yeah the the rocks films have directors to make sure the film's good, but the rock chose that project thinking this is the project that will make me a bigger star that suits my persona. And I think WWE. WWE doesn't want people... This is why I always feel bad when people attack Dolph Ziggler, because Dolph Ziggler is WWE's dream wrestler, athletic, can do, can do, a, basic, can do a match well, um, can say his lines eloquently, but has no instincts for his career, no instincts for um, uh, the art of wrestling, just as he's told. That's just what they want. They just want people who can do a good match, but do it the way they're told that's why yeah. they were playing so much.
1: And and that's one reason why I would always say like, look at an AJ styles or something where someone who's gone around the world worked for so many different groups and understands all the different elements you have to do. And he was taught so much of that by being a pro wrestler, not by going to pro wrestling camp.
3: Yeah, exactly. And this is what I think where if you just said to, because you can still keep performance center just as the way to get the best athletes in, um, um and you, you know you train them, and then you just say to these athletes, okay, now you've got your retainer, go off and make a name for yourself, go off and hone your gimmick, and you know feel free to always come back if you have a question for us. And, 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 that, and to a degree,
1: to that's what Evolve was doing for WWE at one point, yeah. kind of before they went to the Flow Slam deal, which was they were kind of that <laughs> holding area. And we've seen how that worked out that we could go on about this for days and hours and years. But I, I love all this stuff that we're talking here. And and I hope I hope everyone who's listening to this feels a little bit more informed about India and the UK, which is two things that everyone in America loves to speculate on when they're writing about WWE. But it has taken very little time to sometimes talk to people in other countries or other things who have either written articles about this and researched it or are not just saying, well, if it happened three years ago, it's going to happen again today and treating everyone monolithically and, and simplistically. Uh, So I really appreciate this thoughtful kind of analysis. It's it's been
3: a pleasure. One more thing, actually, I which I forgot to mention about the UK. One of the interesting things, if we assume the deal goes through where Disney take over um, the elements of Fox they're taken, one of the, 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 really key things will be is that Sky gets divorced from Rupert Murdoch's papers so one of the things that WWE has really benefited from in the UK is that Sky is that the Sun, which is our biggest selling national newspaper, gets about three, uh, gets about two and a half million people uh, reading it every day. Um, that does a fair amount of WWE coverage um, because it's owned by the same people who owned a promotion who owned a station that aired WWE. So. That, again, you might – no, you might see a decline in the visibility of WWE, assuming that goes through because then there isn't those – that need True. for, Though, for you, to promote.
1: And and the flip side to that I'd say is why did ESPN add a WWE vertical? Because wrestling fans have a disproportionate appetite for wrestling news and they're great at clicks, right? When you well, look this at is that, literally that, in the paper. Oh, no, no. I get that. I, yeah. I'm just saying – Yeah. It, oh yeah yeah I agree. The, when you look at the top 20 most edited Wikipedia articles, wrestling articles are like the top 5. And it's it's largely for, you know, just the fact that wrestling fans seem to disproportionately influence online media and to a degree print media and other things just if it's if it's I, if it sells it sells and so i do think that there's that but i think it's a great point to say maybe some of the favorable coverage maybe some of the uh, um, the 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 angle and the slight of the coverage might actually change the ten, the, the, the 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 tone for sure yeah um yeah. brandon mm-hmm. uh, any last uh, statements here for for will before we take off i i just want to make sure you have a chance to say one or two things to him if there is one or two things you want to say
2: now i i listened to this very informed conversation about uk business um and it was just one of the things I was wondering was that is have, over the last few years, has it changed how many times Raw and SmackDown are airing in the UK? Uh, a
3: little bit. Not not that much. So basically, the way it's always worked is is they air it live. And that's been true for uh, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And they repeat it. They repeat it. Um In prime time, and then they just repeat it whenever they have spare gaps in the schedule, the one thing that has changed is it 's now available to download through sky's uh um uh, sky sky ghost the equivalent of um you know it's it's video video on demand service um which would probably contribute a little bit to the decline but um i i, I don't think, and I think the fact that would that culture like the
2: dvr plus seven or
3: something. No, because that's literally you record a certain screening. Um, the repeats sometimes you see the repeats pop up, but there's been no sign that those repeats are getting more than they used to. They're getting the same like twenty thousand that they always did. Um, um, so yeah, so, so there's so no earrings evidence are
2: about, of about the same in number, even though viewership is down. So yes. so viewership is not down just because there's more more earrings because there's not correct. No,
1: no, terrific, basic. So. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Will, why don't you give us um, one more time, Fighting Spirit Magazine, uh, where they can find your articles every week, uh, every month. Uh, Twitter, you're at Will Cooling. How can other people reach you or talk to you if they want to talk yeah. more about yeah. Zimbabwe cricket?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Will Cooling, so feel free to get in touch with me there. Find the Spirit Magazine's out every month, uh, the UK's biggest and best personal magazine. Uh, this month, we I, I have my One to Watch on Omari, and I have my UFC report for the uh, for the uh, month. The that, It's a great magazine. It's not just uh, stuff I do. People like Alan Farrell, um you'll know from western Observer, although he's moving now, he writes regularly for it. We also have Jim Cornette writes um, a monthly column, which is always really interesting. So I'd urge people to get uh, Fighting Spirit magazine. And if you want to hear me talk about politics, I do a podcast called um, It Could Be Said, um, which I promote in my Twitter feed, which is just a kind of a homespun thing with me and a friend when we talk about British politics and occasionally what's going on in America or other parts of the world.
1: Well, it's been a, a, a joy having you on the line here, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we will catch great. up with Will periodically through the year here as we figure out how your investments changed and uh, whether or not to sue Will over the fact that the UK deal and triples after he promised us it would just
2: go <laughs> yeah, flat I'll, I'll edit in our, our forward-looking statements at the beginning of this podcast we'll be fine
1: if
3: that happens i owe Stephen Lyon a, a coke because uh, he, he's he's on the more optimistic side than i am so uh, right. um, but i'm pretty sure it's not going to happen <laughs> It's, it's well, been an absolute pleasure guys thank you thank cheers well thank you hey everybody brandon
2: here thanks again to will cooling for coming out and talking to us about uk business Next up, we're going to have Chris and I talking about a Bloomberg article on WB Business that came out recently. That's on the free show here, and then you can go to patreon.com slash and you can hear us talk about things like the PPV schedule, which has changed. There's fewer events. They're all going to be Raw and SmackDown. I'm going to talk about an article I did on venue merchandise for the WB, and the Flow Sports CEO is leaving the company. Once again, we're about to talk about the Bloomberg article. On W Business. Wow, enjoy Bloomberg Business Week. So it's it's Business Week, really.
1: Let's be clear here. It's Business Week. It is owned by Bloomberg, so I think they call it Bloomberg Business Week. But it's at bloomberg.com. Yes, but isn't it a Business Week like uh, uh, publication? Is the name of the the article? That's what it says. Is on under the top of the page. It says Bloomberg Business
2: Week. All in the same font. I'm not sure what that yeah. entails.
1: So I think Business Week is the publication, Bloomberg is the owner, and they've decided to consolidate it all. I mention this because I have talked to people who work at Bloomberg before, and I would say none of them were involved with this article, that I can tell. And they were a lot better at, I would say, seeing through when they're being given information that was portraying a very particular narrative and then questioning that narrative. And saying, what does it really mean in the bigger context? And I'm sure these writers did. But in the end, these writers chose a, a fluency that made me feel a little annoyed uh, as a mainstream WWE article that largely seems like the PR department got to choose about half of the
2: talking points. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple of good legitimate criticisms in here. But I've, uh, I've, I've compiled a, a list <coughs> of uh, bingo squares on the mainstream WWE business article. Uh, bingo card that it checks. Shall we go through them? Yes, please. Wrestling pun in the title, W is laying the smackdown on the world is the headline of this article. That's uh, a check mark. That's check. Uh, this sort of the moment where you go, hey, hey, everybody, did you know that wrestling's fake? There's, there's a moment where, uh, in this article, W is a tightly scripted company. Everything that happens in and out of the ring is by design. Just to let all those readers out there know that wrestling is, in fact, fake. Just in case you had any confusion or doubt. Yeah, just just in the same way, every time
1: you read an article about Game of Thrones, it starts off by reminding you this is not real. Dragons are not, in fact, coming in Mm -hmm. and that there's writers and producers who work on this stuff every
2: day. And and it's not real. Please do not. You know, yeah, there's a easily refutable factual error where they claim that W made 50.6 million dollars of net income where did they get that number from? I was just astounded. Like, I mean, nobody knows or cares what that number really means. And the vast majority of readers reading this article don't have ah, see if this was time or people, if this was people magazine sure. this is business week of Bloomberg. And I, I think, think they just, do care to make, make the point clear. Uh, W's net income two thousand and seventeen, according to their training schedules, and I think every other document is thirty two point six million dollars. But for some, for whatever reason, this Bloomberg article they said it's fifty point six million dollars of net income.
1: Yeah, that's a really that's a really weird thing because a that's not the operating income. Operating income
2: was seventy five point six. I, I did a control F uh, in the training schedules for fifty point six, and I found nothing.
1: The only thing I could see them screwing with is that they do mention a film impairment of five point five million dollars on their operating income. So, great. I'll give you back $5.5 million. That gets you up to $38 million. That does not get you to $50 million. adjusted net income? Is that what this is? I, I don't know what it would be. And so, I, I am baffled by that. And so, the only other explanation I can possibly come up with is if they were using a trailing four-quarter number where it was Q4 of last year, Q1, Q2, Q3. And I haven't looked to see if that would work, but that's baffling to that's me that the, you, even. Is yeah it, it seems well it's almost 20 million dollars and not only that last year it was 33.8 the year before that it was 24 million it's not been 50 million for quite some time so who uh, I, maybe maybe we should be tweeting these the authors here left and right and just saying can you explain to me how i can look at the an sec filed document and what i believe is a gap measure and then you can quote a different number that you've made up
2: so there's that one. easily refutable factual error. Uh, next is astonishment at how relatable pro wrestling actually is. And this is where Stephanie McMahon gets, gets the quote in there. The notion of good versus evil is translatable and one of the oldest stories since the beginning of time, she says. That is, that is the hero's journey. That is the monomyth that George Berrios constantly tells us about. Which I, 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 don't, I don't think is that bad of a point to bring up. But uh, so it's, there's, it's, their, it's their narrative for
1: how things work. You know, every year they choose a every year they choose a structure of how they're gonna go out to the marketplace and make wrestling seem cool. Mm-hmm. And this year it has been Katniss Everdeen, Luke Skywalker, Roman Reigns, these are the John
2: Cena, these are the easily it's good versus evil, it's gonna work, it's always worked that way. People see a ring, they see people walking to the ring, they know what's gonna happen. Yep. Uh, we had some investor fan fiction from BTIG's Brandon Ross, uh, not for the first time. Uh, he, he is an analyst for BTIG. And he suggested that Walt Disney, 21st Century Fox, Comcast, AT and T, and Verizon are among the like, most likely suitors to potentially buy WWE. And of course, he, he noted also that Facebook could be the most likely destination for WWE content in 2019. Maybe it'll get on SmackDown. You never know. See, that's a, that's a great like. Um, <laughs> it's a great great way of phrasing it so that you
1: can backtrack completely when it doesn't happen. It's the most likely destination because I mean, why wouldn't it be likely? Oh, I didn't say it was going to happen. I just said it was the most likely thing. It's most likely that someone's going to log on to Facebook tomorrow, but I didn't say you're going to log on to Facebook tomorrow. It could be. Yeah. But I mean, is is five there. Walt Disney, 21st century, Fox, Comcast, AT&T and Verizon it makes a big difference between if you're saying who's going to bid on TV rights versus who is going to possibly buy wwe and purchase them for several billion dollars he is accurate that all five of the companies he listed have plenty of cash and funding that they could do it so i don't even know if that's absurd i call it investor fanfic because i think it's overplaying a scenario that is fun to talk about that is not as as realistic you know it's kind of like saying what if donald trump stepped down from office and announced he's going back to the apprentice tomorrow Oh, yeah, that's a fun thing you can talk about. You can come up with some interesting scenarios about how that's going to impact things. But I think at a certain point, you're now just playing the game of what if and you've
2: gotten away from the actual sport of reporting. Next, Vince turned mostly regional ugly wrestling into a worldwide attraction of delicious, innocuous mainstream family entertainment. Uh, identified and checked off the list when we we find out that during the latter half of the 20th century, did you know this, uh, Stephanie McMahon's father, Vince McMahon, W's chairman and CEO, transformed the family business from a niche regional attraction into a mainstream brand. And, uh, you know, wrestling used to be this thing that kind of played to uh, barroom brawls. Uh, I think this is Stephanie McMahon being quoted. And those days are over, she asserts. Our lines of business are really more akin to Disney than they are anything else
1: is so what it wonderful? is. It is what it is. I mean, you can always go back to the arguments about when wrestling was more popular, when 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 who who made us be bigger and why is, you know, attendance or pay-per-view buys or whatever metric you want to use, why are we lower than we were 15 years ago or 20 years ago. But uh, the, to a degree there is the argument that what wrestling was as a brand in the 80s and what wrestling is as a brand now is very different because we have created this commodity
2: that is publicly tradable and consumable by the, the investors in a very different way. And, and why, at least to my eye, when I've been to events, why is there nobody over the age of like 45 who doesn't go there with their family? Why isn't there anybody of an older age at your events, you when, 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 when 50% of their viewers are, are over the age of 50? Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, mutant pro wrestlers convert to Hollywood actors check hulk hogan dwayne throck johnson john cena dave batista they they all regularly graduated into hollywood careers can you believe that these pro wrestlers are actually human beings who can who can do other things they're not just uh they're not just barroom brawling mutant ugly wrestling guys
1: now i think this is again pushing dave meltzer's anti-miz agenda Ah, uh, because Ms. was not listed as one of these Hollywood elites, right. and clearly this came from the the strong arming from Dave. Uh, is
2: secretly behind the arm, behind the scenes. Yes. There's, of course, the sincere moments of ironic ignorance. This poll quote from from uh, Stephanie McMahon that's placed into the middle of the article, saying, "Ultimately, the voice that needed to be heard was our fan base, because we know that you know, whenever the fans want something, they're never dismissed." Intelligence is never insulted. W listens to their fan base. They have a study group every night, and they sure, sure do listen to them, whether it's the give divas a chance hashtag or uh, the, the non-vocal minority that, that says things that they occasionally listen to.
1: Uh, give divas a chance, yeah.
2: What else? Of course, uh, did you know that Stephanie McMahon uh, plays a bad guy on TV? She's both an executive and on-screen performer for WWE. She used to play the boss's entitled imperialist daughter, now she's a rancorous commissioner, endlessly bickering with the family's brawny help. Just a, a- You can just see the English major being yeah. so proud of themselves it's with that. wonderful selection of adjectives here. Fantastic.
1: And and there's a section in here, you didn't call it out, but there's a section where they mention Shane and then they admit kind of in a poll, in a, a takeaway that oh Shane's actually not an executive in the company, even though he pretends to be one on television. And so it's kind of almost like they wanted to be like, and it's a family affair. Your brother's an executive, right? And he's like, yeah, he runs SmackDown. Also, he's not actually an executive.
2: I'm going to look for that info in the proxy in
1: in a couple weeks. And then what's your last uh, uh, checkmark here? I don't know if we have enough for
2: the full bingo board, but we're close. I I, I gave up about just before the last couple paragraphs of this article, but uh, there's, you know, the ignorance of the wider scope allows the article to paint uh, WB failure as a success. So the WB live events that were supposed to happen – in new Delhi in India in December supposed to be two events. It was cut to one event probably because of a, of a bad advance. This is brought up as like, Oh look, WV's in, in India. And wow, wow this big match at Jinder Mahal had with triple H and they shook hands and they danced afterward and he pedigreed them all afterward. And, and all this, there's no probing into, or even a, a awareness of the fact that there were supposed to be two events and it got caught. And, and, and what, do, what
1: is the way that they refer to this then? What's their, their tagline at the end? Your move, Cricket. So this article is conflating the popularity of WWE with the popularity of cricket in India. And um, as, as our discussion with uh, Will Cooling should have probably underlined, is that it's, it's stratospherically different,
2: to put it simply. Um, they did, I, they I agree. Acknowledge, um, there's a good burial of WWE's uh, overuse of putting everything over as historic. And um, there's some discussion of New Japan, which, which seems informed. So
1: yeah, I won't, I won't yeah. completely bury it. And and the, there's a part about they're talking about WW Network International numbers, and it's like it grew from this number to this number in just a few years. And I wanted to be like, and it also wasn't launched in the UK in that starting year that you're using. So if you really want to compare year to year, at least start with when you had your biggest marketplace uh, uh, on board, and then go ahead. That's like saying HBO subscribers from 1971 until today has grown at an astounding percentage. And it's like, well, how many years ago was it when HBO was really available to anyone who wanted to get HBO? That's a year we should probably compare against if we're trying to talk about today's culture. So,
2: um,
1: yeah, there was an interesting little um, uh, uh, infographic on here. And so it was this, WWE, doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus. Again, Very frustrated person from Fordham who was hired to write this article. And um, it says where the 21.8 million followers of WWE's YouTube channel are watching from. And then they tried to find wrestlers that they could then relate to these different places. And so uh, 21.8 million followers of WWE's YouTube channel. I don't know if that's the right number or not. And they said they use socialbook.io.
2: So this and so, is just subscribers of the YouTube channel. This is not referring to the, the viewership, which we all always hear is 75% non-U.S.
1: Yeah, so this is, again, an interesting thing. So they, they start off by saying, well, the U.S. is is the biggest portion of subscribers, 46%, and, and Mark Henry is from there. Uh, the U.K. is 10%, and Jack Gallagher is from there. Obvious. Canada is 3%. Jinder Mahal is from there. Then they have India at three percent, Spain at three percent, Germany at two percent, Indonesia at two percent, Philippines at two percent, Russia at two percent, and then they have a bunch of people at one percent. And um, included in that number is Puerto Rico, who which they pulled out Primo Colone, mm-hmm. and Mexico, of which they pulled out Grand Metallique. Uh So I'm I'm thinking that this has got to be a work rate chart here because we got Mark Henry, Jack Gallagher, Primo Colone grand metal and jinder mahal uh you know five of the grandest workers in wwe uh and it's funny like someone like rusev was not pulled out in some way here and applied to bulgaria um but as someone pointed out to me is according to this chart one percent of the people are from north korea who have subscribed to wwe and japan doesn't even get listed but so, are you really telling me there's more North Korean YouTube subscribers than Japanese YouTube subscribers? I find this very hard to believe in a country that is as locked
2: down as as North Korea is. Yeah. Can you even so, get to the W YouTube channel in North Korea? I'm not about to go there to find out. But I think all of us would be
1: fascinated to learn
2: that that is true.
1: So there's that. Yeah, so there's that. That's probably the easiest way of, of saying it, is that I, I it's hard to take an account seriously when, like you say, there's an easily refutable math error, and then they're saying North Korea is really a big follower of WWE stuff and that nobody said, hey, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So it just goes to show you that something like socialbook.io is probably not actually looking at 21.8 million people. Instead, what they're doing is they're taking a small sample of accounts that they somehow can get – then they're somehow figuring out what country they're from, who knows how, and then they're just applying that sample to the entire data set. And uh, much in the same way, web rankings and other things are not very accurate when you take a, just a small sample and apply it across a, a broad thing. Uh, I have some real questions about that. all right well we're gonna wrap up here but uh i did want to point out i did buy a, another ticket i'm going to oh. the WrestleCon super show i'm going to be at the o- omega ibushi uh match Good lovers yeah i think they're taking on um best friends club right right trent trent and uh chuck t yeah so yeah. i saw chuck taylor live a couple wrestlemanias ago um at maybe was it an involved show or something and it, he was really car- He was really a lot of fun to see then. So I'm I'm looking forward to kind of that next step, right? Like of seeing him again. And now it's like, wow, look at the star power that's in the ring with him. Have you bought your and Kaiju Kappa. Big Battle tickets yet, though? I have not. What? I, yet. What? I don't know. I don't know. I know you'd think you think it's. I, I want I, I want to be the guy that brings Tobita over and does it for real, rather than you know, Kaiju Big Battle. better things. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big. I'm a big fan of you know. You make sure you do it right. Do you, you get the real guy? Because because uh, also ends with that Onita esque promo at the end of his shows where he sits on a chair and he talks to everybody. So yeah, that's what I really
2: want. So yeah, anyway, for about how, like a couple of years, they brought Ibushi in, and Ibushi loves this stuff for Kaji big battle. And he chased the 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 box guy around the ring for like five oh. minutes. Just they just chased him around the barn. It went on and <laughs> on. And it was like <laughs> 2 a.m. I wasn't there live, but I watched it live on TV for some reason. <laughs> I, I yeah, I was gonna say
1: Obushi. Uh, hell, you could even imagine Omega showing up to these things because uh, and so, like, they,
2: they have and, a... what Andy Warhol would do with pro wrestling. Which you've heard he's a fan, right? Is this like you know the Andy Warhol Empire movie, where it's just like eight hours of looking at the Empire State Building on a fixed camera. I like, I screened that once. Oh, did you?
1: For all eight I did. Hours? No, I see. I I think there might be differences of like which Andy Warhol version there is. because oh. I did I screened an Andy Warhol movie once that was like an abstract, like it doesn't make any sense type, absurdist movie. But I I swear it was staring at a building. But I swear it wasn't eight hours. I swear it was like ninety minutes. So we'll
2: see. Yeah. If if you search, ah, oh, I see at least one version. Maybe it's a fake okay. version though. That's no, eight, no 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 eight no. hours and five minutes. Well, I'm just saying I screened something very similar.
1: Then maybe is how I should put it. So it's you've been listening did, to Wrestleomics. remake that's three hours. <laughs> Wrestlenomics <laughs> Radio. Uh, I am your co-host Chris Mookie Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Mookie Ghani. You can find Brandon at Wrestling Inc. You can find him on Twitter at B H Howard Thurston right no, third, 16, the Third Sixteen, and uh, he's MySpace. We can go to Farmer Biz, and you can buy your 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 Farmer Thurston inflatable uh whack a mole
2: balls. Yeah. And uh you can buy Patreon Saint Professional Wrestling T shirts in um Fort Erie on Friday and uh, no Fort Erie on Saturday and in uh Brockport, New York on Friday. Nice. And your prediction for the twenty seventeen cover? It was
1: Charlotte, New Day, The Belt, then Now Forever, Cena in Coleman Gear and King
2: Sheamus in the past, your um, twenty seventeen prediction? I could see AJ Styles, I could also see Nia Jax or Alexa Bliss oh good question good call good call i i haven't heard those things but i've heard
1: asuka mentioned a bunch of times nakamura braun is another really good one i don't think they're gonna do ronda this soon i don't think they're gonna go with roman and i don't think they're gonna go with jinder so i see either aj or braun i'm gonna go with aj though i really do we'll find out uh hopefully this week and uh Take it easy, everybody, and contact us at WrestleNomics and uh, give us some advice and clear up all these other misconceptions
2: and mistakes that we made in our factual errors this show. And next week, we'll be reviewing Empire by Wandy Andy Warhol. It'll be a, kind of our podcast, I think. <sighs> ah, can't wait. Bye-bye, everybody.